0: Well, hello, Clap. everybody. This and, is Anne McElhenny.
1: And welcome to the Ann um, and Phelan Scoop. And your name is Phelan McElear. Oh, yes, and my name is Phelan McElear. And, and we have a guest today. We're, we're, we're overwhelmed with Polishness today. We have, <laughs> we have Magda behind the deck. And we have Jan from the Epoch Times. Uh, Jan, pronounce your uh, surname there. Good one, Phelan. Uh, Jan
2: Jakelic. Oh, that's yes. easy. Ye- yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So, Jan Kelly. Then. Yeah. Well, yes. you
2: know, I, I actually ran into someone. I think it was at the Fourth uh, of July celebrations mm-hmm. in DC, and I was walking, and someone's nudging me. Hey, someone's calling you. And I hear Jan Kelly. Jan Kelly. Yeah. So <laughs> someone clearly recognized me, but
1: uh, yeah, got the name slightly yeah. confused. So I met. I, I've known Jan for for a, a long time now. You've interviewed me over Gosnell, and uh, for a couple of other things, I believe, for the Gosnell movie. But I met you last night at the premiere. Right uh, for no safe spaces. Right, uh, which is the new movie with uh, Dennis Prager, Adam Carolla, about free speech on campuses and how it's ble- how they lack of free speech on campuses is bleeding into to wider society. Um, so um, we'll we'll get on to that in a minute. But first, sure. you know, tell people about the Epoch Times. Okay, um, I would love to. And uh, you've you've had you've had a rite of passage. I think that all. Alternative media sources must have. Uh, so, right. let, tell us first of all about the Epoch Times. Okay,
2: and then I'll get you to tell me which rite of passage you're talking about. But okay, yeah, yeah. So, right. <laughs> well, so y- you probably know that that our tagline is truth and tradition, mm-hmm. and and that's the outlook. Maybe that's the lens every every media looks to the world through some lens, right? And this is the lens that the Epoch Times looks at the world. But we actually have a kind of interesting origin story, which a lot of people don't know, because most people know us for maybe for our prolific coverage of Spygate, for example, of Mm -hmm. this whole kind of uh, Mm -hmm. spying on the uh, Trump campaign and then the Trump presidency uh, by, it seems like, the intelligence community and so forth. There's, you know, we've been developing that story for for a long time now. Um, We actually started 20 years ago uh, as a Chinese language website that was created in the US Because you could have a free-thinking Chinese language website in the U.S. and you couldn't have that in China, Mm -hmm. as everyone knows these days. It's a communist dictatorship over there. Yes, it was not very different back then, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But the way we understood it as Americans, and perhaps you know, and certainly as Canadians, which is where where I actually I I hail from. it was a completely different picture. People were saying, you know, China's developing; uh, it's almost a democracy. Look at all the great stuff that, that's that's happening over there. But people weren't talking about, you know, basically mil- hundreds of thousands of mil- or millions of prisoners of conscience being rounded up into, into labor camps. So, basically, um, our founder John Tong, he's our he's he's the president of the company, and he's still still today. And he he came out of China after Tiananmen Square. And he was this brilliant student. Um, you know he got a scholarship to Georgia Tech and a lot of those students did that they would get that's how they could get out and then just wouldn't go back right. So that's what he did. He ended up in Atlanta. and then fast forward 10 years and the Chinese Communist Party they started persecuting the Falun Gong oh, uh, yeah, spiritual group. you can yes. recall that mm-hmm. 1999. Now what's relevant to media, is what accompanied that persecution. Now, this was 70 to 100 million people being persecuted all of a sudden mm-hmm. right in the middle of 1999. They had to justify it, just like in 1930s in Nazi Germany, there was all sorts of hate propaganda that was generated against the Jewish people to explain why it's okay to hate Jews, to take their stuff, and, you know, and, and everything and ultimately to, you know, eradicate, mm-hmm. eradicate yes. them. And so there was this order made by Jiang Zemin, who was the dictator at the time, eradicate this group. Now, they didn't mean physically, necessarily. They meant r- get rid of destroy. this way of thinking, destroy it. Right. And the, the, the problem was that a lot of people for the for the regime was that a lot of these people, they didn't subject very well to re-education, as it's called, okay, mm-hmm. which is basically forcible brainwashing. Mm-hmm. They would say, no, I believe in truthfulness, compassion, tolerance, which are the tenets of Falun Gong. They would keep doing their exercises and they say, I did nothing wrong. Well, how can you do this? You know, this, mm. is, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And, they just, and so in, a, in the process, basically, there was this unwritten rule. All deaths in these labor camps.
0: Oh, Cat. That was a cat. For those cat. of you listening on the podcast and audio. Uh, you must
2: be freaked out about this because this is really scary
1: stuff.
0: Well, exactly. Right? Yes. Right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
1: the communist Chinese. Actually, I blame Magda who, who pushed uh, the cat off her sound deck.
0: Polish people. Polish people. All right, go
1: on, yeah. Well,
2: no, so basically all deaths would be considered suicide oh my in these God. labor camps. That was the unwritten rule. So right. basically work on these people until they break, until they're psychologically broken or, or physically, right? Yeah. So anyway, in this climate... All the media were controlled, and they were feeding those narratives into American and global media. Those are the main narratives that were out there, with some stark exceptions. I remember just amazing, some amazing reporting and Wall Street Journal and things like that that actually told truthful stories, but it was rare. Mm-hmm. So John started this website, basically that would tell all the things that the Chinese Communist Party didn't want published, starting with this, you know, no these, the, the, just another side of the story, and people loved it. Yeah. Because, you, as you know, right, mm-hmm. yeah. when the, you have people this media monopoly, the, people like well, or or yeah, even yeah. just another perspective, yes. right? Yes. Because you yes. can't get it, right? Yes. And that, you know, that grew into today. We're in, you know, we we're kind of a network of of companies, Epic Times across the world. It's about twenty three languages, all over the place. Um, our global headquarters is in New York City. That's still where the the main Chinese edition operates out from. And then, you know, sort of the English edition that eclipsed that. Mm -hmm. And we even have a small Spanish operation in New York as well. Um, And uh, yeah, and we cover all sorts of things. But we still have that, I don't know, uh, uh, our our, our zeitgeist or our our, our thinking is around basically speaking actually speaking truth to power, telling the truth in a situation where there's a lot of disinformation and propaganda, or fake news, as these days we call it. So so, let me get to it.
1: The Epoch Times then will be endorsing Michael Bloomberg for president. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Well, actually, that's
2: interesting. I'll I'll speak to that. So we, unlike most American media... Let me just fill
1: Michael Bloomberg famously said that China is not a dictatorship, that the leadership listened to the people. It
2: was, it was, um, it was really embarrassing because it spoke against v- easily to demonstrate facts. And it also, you know, and, and obviously, you know, Mike Bloomberg has a huge business mm-hmm. you know, happening in China. I understand why people would feel pressured or feel incentivized to yes. say things like yes. this. But it really speaks against all available <laughs> facts and knowledge. Yeah. But no, so the Epic Times, we don't endorse political candidates. We just never do. We don't think media should do that, actually. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and so, and you no, know, definitely won't be endorsing the, yes. like Lindbergh. Just to, to tell people, it's the ep, <laughs> Epoch Times, E-P-O-C-H-T-I-M-E-S. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the website is the, T-H-E, Epoch, E-P-O-C-H, times.com. The Epoch Times.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So tell me about your, about, uh, you said uh, you've had a number of rights of passage. The right of passage that I was referring to was the smear in the NBC, by NBC. This is where a establishment media... Uh, find an uh, alternative media to be wildly successful, and out of a fit of jealousy and commercial self-interest, yes. then says, "Oh, well, actually, they're all white supremacists. The Chinese are all white supremacists, or are they're they're tied up with some conspiracy theorists, or or or?" And it's this kind of mix and match, and then they get a couple of people said, "It was terrible working there. I felt like I was a slave." And you know, <laughs> um, uh, says every millennial oh, you on s- the planet. Sounds like
2: you read the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, it, it the whole. Thing was really actually kind of bizarre um Mm -hmm. because so we've actually this is an intro this is important um we actually still believe in print at the epic times okay we've actually grown literally hundreds of thousands of print subscriptions Mm -hmm. in the last six months because once some the people get it they they want to keep it it's it's really remarkable in this day and age you know print is kind of crashing it's true and um we had these, via Facebook especially, we had these very, very successful print advertising campaigns. So it would be basically this young guy, Roman, on our staff. He would go out and he would explain some of our content. There's this, here's a Spygate poster, here's what it means, here's, you know, this news story. And he would just basically talk about our content. Now, so what NBC decided to do, and of course these were extremely successful, and we, act, we spent quite a bit of money on that. And this is public because Facebook views anything that has to do with any political issue, irrespective of whether it's intended that way or not, as political advertising, Mm -hmm. and it's in this public database. So people noticed Epic Times is spending large amounts of money on political ads. So they framed it as this is a dark money operation to re-elect President Trump. Right. And it's like, well, just look at the ads. You know, yeah, if yeah. you look at the ads, you can see for yourself if you think there's some sort of subversive, subversive dark money election ads. I mean, I I, I don't see it. They certainly and many of them were positive towards the administration, I, I think, in factually grounded ways. Yeah. But but of course, NBC wouldn't like that yes. um, from the types of reporting we've seen. So, yeah. And, and, and as a result, we had, you know, NBC... Webb published this article and then Rachel Maddow dedicated a full half hour segment.
1: Congratulations. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, and actually multiple other shows, it was remarkable how much, I, I mean, in a way, we were honored. Yes. They, they put so much effort and resources into this. But unfortunately, the sad part is, it's just really, a lo- there's a, a lot of mistruths that were there, yes. which we tried to correct in many media. And then the worst part is that many media just kind of jumped on that reporting. Yes. Just New York it. Times, just Washington it. Post, yeah. and a bunch of others and just would repeated it and in with a few exceptions you know wouldn't take any kind of corrections even yes. though there you know we, we there was a laundry list of obvious mm. ones. Yeah. So um, I'll will just say you know for the for the record um, we're working with the Washington Post reporter that did the story. There were they actually did take quite a number of corrections, which mm-hmm. we were, you know, we were we were very happy to see that. It's still, still, I don't think the story's accurate, yeah. but yeah, but there were other ones like that didn't well, do that.
1: Check it out. What's the website?
2: The Epoch Times dot T H E E P O C H Times
1: They're being very good. You did stuff on FBI. Lovebirds. You did stuff on Gosnell. You do cover alternative stories. Uh, it's it's well worth it. And any. You know, enemy well, of and the and NBC the, is probably a friend of yours.
2: And I have to say this because the one thing they got right is that we have one of the biggest social presences of any media, and I don't think they, they like that very much. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah so yeah. you'll probably see us so, on social media. Yeah, mm-hmm. so
1: check So, check last, out. Night, so last night, so moving on, last we night we had
0: the premiere of No Safe Spaces. No safe spaces. Mm-hmm. Dennis mm-hmm. Prager yeah. and Adam Carolla's a new documentary, which will be available, uh, you know, to a the theater theaters near you.
1: The, from this Friday. From this Friday. Yeah, so let's watch the trailer.
0: You have the right to remain silent.
3: Anything you say will be used against you. You are not listening. I want your job to be taken from you.
1: A protest has turned violent
4: at California, Berkeley. This is why we're fighting for the soul of America. You should be able to share ideas without fear of being fired from your job or shouted down. You are not to be heard. This is one of the few things one could say we have no precedent for in the United States.
0: You have the right to remain silent.
4: The only way we separate the good ideas from the bad ideas is to be free to say whatever we want about them. Isn't it spooky that we're having this discussion? No university should ever create a safe space. You're not gonna protect people, and so the best you
3: can do is to make them strong.
4: bothers me for the young people who are being deprived of anything that could open their minds.
0: You have the right to remain silent. Did so, you enjoy? Tell us, tell us what did, you saw that. So you saw yeah, the documentary absolutely. last night. Yeah. What, what's your big takeout from, from your viewing? What did, you, what did you think? What had the most impact on you? What did you like?
2: Well, first of all, you know, no safe spaces. It's it's about um, how free speech is being basically radically compromised on college campuses across America, and it's you know there's very few exceptions even to this. It's 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 amazing because college campuses we would expect should be the bastions of free speech Absolutely. this is how new ideas are generated sure. yeah, right yeah, yeah. just because an, you don't agree with an idea or you you find it reprehensible right doesn't, doesn't mean, mean yeah. doesn't mean that you should because and, and why why is it that you can do that and they talk about this in the film because tomorrow today you know you take the thing that everyone agrees is reprehensible and say okay we're going to ban that and then the next day you know someone else picks something that they happen to believe yeah. is reprehensible yeah. And who's in just, yeah exactly And exactly. also just the
0: value of free speech which you know it, you know obviously comes out very strongly out of the documentary that you know it, this is the only country in the world that you that, that treasures free speech to the to the level that it mm-hmm. does here yeah. um, and obviously it only were you know where where you know whether or not there's free speech is where you know where people do get to say offensive things actually because mm-hmm. you know saying saying stuff you agree with really loudly hardly proves the point you know yeah. right but um I I thought it was I mean I just thought it was an extraordinary documentary and the piece the pieces that really spoke to me were um particularly Brett Weinstein up in Evergreen Evergreen State College right. in Washington. Yep. What an extraordinary story! The, the incredible story that we heard in the documentary last night—that certainly had a huge impact on me—and I just thought it was uh, amazing. Particularly, I suppose, coming from very very much from a from a liberal guy, Brett Weinstein, um, a professor at um, Evergreen. at Evergreen. Evergreen College, State College in Washington, where there had been a tradition over many many years where they had a day of absence where um you know people of color would absent themselves you know voluntarily absent themselves to kind of make a point and it was based on a play and you know they made this point and everyone would notice oh my god what's the world the world is not as nice without without you know when these people are absent or whatever so it was, they were making a political point and it, and very much supported by the by the administration, very um, much supported by, by Brett Weinstein, yes. very much supported by Brett Weinstein. They twisted that around a couple of years ago, and they decided instead of doing what they had done and the tradition that they had for years and years and years, what they would do... Would be ask white people to not come in. Say you need to absent yourself. We want a day without you, without you whites, basically. And he objected strenuously, objected mm-hmm. to this way, to this way of thinking. To being ordered, not to being ordered, basically off campus. Yeah,
1: based on the color, based on the color of his skin, to be ordered off campus based on the color of his skin. And said that. Yeah,
0: and so he wrote, he actually wrote a letter and he said, you know, I object to this. I think this is a bad idea. And he cycled in and, you know, went to college as normal and all hell broke loose.
1: Basically, they they started targeting him. He, He was warned he was not safe on campus or in the town. Because they were out to get him. Because and there was a, a scene in in the in, in the documentary where uh, a woman said, "You know, I'm not interested in your experience. I don't want I, your explanation. I don't want you to explain. I want you to be fired. I want
0: you to be fired." Yeah, yeah it's really know, it's extraordinary. Like, this.
1: I don't. I don't care. I just. You're an African American student,
0: and she's shouting at him, and she said, and "He said, Can I let's let's talk about this? I want you gone. I want your job. We're going to take your job away from you.' It's really scary stuff. I, I for me, those scenes in the in the documentary where they, you know really proved their point by showing these students who are out of control on you know unwilling unable unable somehow uh, disabled by their um by whatever has happened to them that they're unable to hear something they don't even want to discuss these these issues yeah. and they did not want to hear from this guy who's one of their own you know who's a super liberal guy mm-hmm. um what, what what did you th- what did you think of Brett the Brett Weinstein story? Well, I mean,
2: I think it's described in the film as a kind of a portent of things to come. Yes, right, because it's one of the more extreme stories that we're aware of. But there's you know multiple multiple examples of basically it being extremely difficult, especially for conservative speakers to mm-hmm. to come on campus because you know. Uh, suddenly you know your uh, security fees go from a few thousand dollars to 600,000 yes, dollars. Yes, in the case of Ben Shapiro. The, at, at yeah, Berkeley, yeah. yeah. for for example, they they use that. So it's it's uh, there's kind of heckler's veto yes. type type mm. approach being used. And just but just the whole concept and I actually think this might be even mentioned in the film as well. The whole concept that if someone is offended that that means that they should that it's okay to silence somebody. Yeah. What, what's up with that? That's yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Isn't that a bizarre idea?
0: It's completely new. And I think, uh, actually, Dennis Prager says that in yeah. the documentary. He said, like, this has never happened. Yeah. We don't have... Like, we're offended. Like no, yeah. People that can be
2: offended, you know, by all sorts yes, of things, sure. yeah, right?
0: Yeah, Yeah. 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 I
2: mean it's part of it's part of life sure you know? and he said
0: but this is like he said like we don't have we have no example of this this we have no precedent for this this is the first time this has ever happened in history where these as you say it's kind of this heckler's veto has become kind of law and the worst thing the really worst thing is that the administration caves in every case the yeah. administration goes along with the, this. this reminds the, me this students. reminds
1: me of the of the jordan peterson interview with uh, the girl from oh my uh, God. channel four kathy Newman, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. she says you what gives you the right to be offensive you know to trans people and he goes but well, hold on a moment. Like you, you're, uh, yeah. you, you're, you're asking me questions and very aggressively that I actually find offensive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you strenuously believe you're doing the right thing. You strenuously believe this is important for democracy and for everything. You know, I mean, I could say to you what gives you uh, what uh, what gives you the right to ask me offensive questions. I don't. I'm actually saying to you, more power to you. This is wonderful. Uh, what's the difference between you offending me and me offending someone else? And there's this silence when it's the first time anyone has ever said this to her. And she literally says to her she's sitting there looking at him going, you...
0: what just happened to me?
1: She's no, she actually says, you got me. Yeah. 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 I need to think about this.
0: Yeah.
2: And well, you know. be- because, because there's no answer, right? Because, because there's no answer to this. No. It's just like, well, for some reason we, we have the power we decide.
1: Right? Yeah. that's the, that's the only answer yeah, yeah. so it's we're about gonna, power so let's uh, we interviewed uh yeah, lots we of people last we interviewed night. Lots, but let's talk we let's look at adam Corolla. i was on the red carpet for, unusually for myself i was on the uh, other side of the red carpet not on the red carpet oh, there you go Phil. but and you so know first, I, I did my first, job like a good the soldier first,
0: the first interview we're going to look at here is is adam Corolla telling us why adam, why, they, why they made this movie. Adam
1: Corolla, podcaster Sangria Seller Mangria Oh Mangria sorry Yes his own alcohol line One of the most I think he's the most successful Podcaster on the history of the planet According to the documentary So let's watch uh, an excerpt From my interview with Adam Joined by Adam Carolla Comedian, podcaster On the red carpet of No Safe Spaces So simple question Why did you make this movie? Uh, I love working with Dennis
4: Prager and the producer said, you want to do a project with Dennis Prager? And I said, yeah, I do want to do a project with Dennis Prager. Uh, I mean, that's the reality. I should be saying, because we got a problem and free speech is a big issue. and that, That's all true. But I also just love hanging out with Dennis Prager. And
1: after working with him, do you still love hanging out with him?
4: No, he's a pompous ass. And that's why I've asked that there be 12 feet between us in this line.
1: It's a contractual obligation, a
4: writer in the contract. 12 feet is the the number, or seven seats when we're in the theater. Yeah, Dennis is the best, the easiest, and a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge, and just a good good guy to talk to.
1: So uh, censorship, uh, is it getting better or worse? I mean, it seems to me I've been getting... Worse and worse and worse, now is, is there any sign of a turn? Um, I think with movies like this
4: and you know Dave Chappelle's stand-up special and people's kind of hit their saturation point with it, I feel like it's starting to make its way back so maybe the pendulum has swung about as far as it can go in one direction and hopefully If you kind of keep your ear on the pulse of what comedians are talking about, you start finding the comedians are kind of going, screw this, I want to talk, I'm saying, and I I think, I mean, it sounds self-serving, but I think comedians are kind of the tip of the spear of like what's coming next, and uh, hopefully... A lot of the comedians I know are saying enough is enough, so maybe, maybe it's going to start swinging back. Do
1: you think you've lost work because of your opinions? Do you know, you think people haven't taken meetings with you?
4: I, I'm sure of it. Uh, I don't document it, and, I, and I'm not aware. I mean, I know I made a lot of good movies and, and, and documentaries, and none of them have got into Sundance, and the guy. We get rejected every year, and the guy who ran Sundance. Said he didn't like me, so I, I don't whatever that means. So probably a little of that, but I'm busier than I've ever been, and I have a million projects. And I just made sure that I had to create my own. I had to create my own work, and I I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to rely on working for a big
1: company like
4: Sony or Fox or anybody because. I knew I could get in trouble and get clipped at any time, so i created my own podcast, my own documentaries, my own books, my own products. Your own alcohol, bro. My own alcohol, and so I made myself a little bit recession-proof. Yeah. Do you ever, I
1: mean, when you're doing your podcast, do you ever find yourself self-censoring or going back and editing something, and, and not because it wasn't funny, but because you, you felt you can't say it? I mean,
4: it's on, on, on rare occasions somebody says something and then when they're done they go hey can we take that out like I thought about it. and I will show them the respect of taking out I don't I don't do it myself for things that
1: I say That's Adam so then I mean obviously the 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 No Safe Spaces stars um, Adam Corolla and. It's a two-hander, Adam Kroll and Dennis Prager.
2: Are kind
0: of an unlikely pair, by the unlikely way. Unlikely pair. Quite. And an I and
2: I, and I love that because I think you know a lot of films. I'm we're, we're obviously interested in a lot of films, but they tend to cater to a more conservative audience, mm. right? And that happens to be this film. I think is designed to try to break out of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And obviously, bringing Adam as a sort of central figure and this conversation, this discourse happening, is is quite amazing. That the thing they discuss this one idea, which I find is so. You know, important. There's conservative and there's liberal, but leftist is actually a different thing altogether. Yes, that's a big point.
0: That's a huge Dennis Prager thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, where he makes a big distinction because he calls himself liberal, classically liberal, you know. And And he
1: says leftists destroy everything, whether it be from football to music. I mean, he even saw they they tried to organize a boycott of him uh, doing a fundraiser for the Santa Monica. uh, Right. orchestra you know they try to destroy the Santa Monica, Monica orchestra and it's interesting that the two of them have teamed up um because they're an unlikely couple in, in some respect
2: well, no absolutely and I mean you know we you've made some really wonderful films uh, that of course that, that we've talked about in the past but they've tended towards a more conservative audience and so forth and I think by bringing these two you know Prager and Corolla together in this film I think it stands the chance of kind of breaking out of that right, and yeah. kind of e- expanding the audience yeah. a little bit it's pretty they explain pretty,
0: themselves Dennis Prager you know he's a very religious Jewish man and then Adam Krolik says I'm an atheist he actually really a pagan Yes, you know so yes. yeah very very different uh, types of guys
1: the film shows the two of them and, and, and they both they do a, a kind of a, a show where they, they go out and, and talk and, uh, and you know Adam would call himself more liberal on, on social issues and right. Dennis is, is more conservative but they come together on this
2: well and it's and it's fascinating I think a really important point in the film is that there is this spectrum of conservative to liberal right but leftist is actually a completely different thing yeah. mm-hmm. right and so you know because liberals and conservatives agree freedom of speech is a darn good thing yeah. Yeah. but leftists don't yeah
1: as, as, as Dennis says famously says leftists ruin everything whether it's football or dancing with the stars they want to destroy our, our, yeah, our yeah. good times. But I mean, there is one important question that that needs to be asked about the Dennis Prager, uh, Adam Carolla situation. And uh, I and you did ask that question. I did ask it. I interviewed Pat Boone and it was the very important question. If you're standing on a cliff and you see Adam Carolla and Dennis Prager hanging off the cliff and you can only save one, who would you save? And let's see what Pat Boone says. I have an important question. If Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla were falling over a cliff and you could only save one, Which who would you save? Dennis.
3: Ooh. <laughs> and I think he <laughs> would agree with me. I think Adam would agree. I Adam would agree, because
1: after all,
4: you, you want to save the one that has the most to contribute.
0: <laughs> exactly what you'd okay. expect
1: yes, uh, perha- yes
0: perhaps well from, you know, from Pat Boone maybe Pat, maybe Pat, maybe Pat goes for, he
1: goes for uh, for Dennis <laughs> he You goes know, for the intellectual uh, so just not so that Adam wouldn't feel left out I asked the same question of Justin Folk the director of, uh, of no, Safe no Safe Spaces if Adam and, and it was a bit unfair because well actually to be fair to me it was brave because Dennis was sort of standing hovering nearby as I asked the question so let's see how that went down if Adam crawler and Dennis Prager was hanging off a cliff. Who would you, you save? The who, director of? You, you, you could only save one. Who would you save? And this is the the answer by the director of no safe spaces.
3: Well, I'm, I'm going to save Adam because he's going to be easier to save. I, I can't hold him up. You know, I, I mean, he's no, a... No, no, that's... No, practical. I mean, it's I'm going to... a gonna, practical
4: answer. D- yeah. Like, don't, even, don't even, I would I would rather right. save uh-huh. Dennis. Uh-huh. I would right. rather save would him. Both but he then. would take me
0: with him. Yes.
1: So, Dennis... Uh, Dennis is a, we should say Dennis is a big friend of ours we've been we've had dinner many times with Dennis and, and his wife Sue and uh, he you know he did say some very nice things about us he did uh, he did say some he, I, it's a long we wanted, stand
0: now let me say this because it's like it's really sad actually because we really wanted Dennis to come here for the podcast and you know, this is one of the challenges of having cats. I didn't want cats, by the way. I wanted a dog. Careful. I wanted a dog. Yeah, careful, are listening. And Phil came home with two cats. And it's really sad. But Dennis Prager, basically, we have now found out why Dennis Prager has not been on the show yet. And basically, he is super, super, super allergic to cats. So we're going to have to go to him. Yes. He, can't, he can't come here. Which is, by the way, I believe the first allergic person we've had do you have pets, by the way, Ian?
2: No, no. No no pets. And,
0: and no plans to get pets. And,
2: and no allergies. And you either. know
0: what? You're right. yeah. and by the way, no allergies. Thanks be to God for that. <laughs> and did Phelan even warn you yesterday, by the way, that we had cats? I, actually,
2: we did talk about okay, it. It's yeah, very, very important. I mean...
0: Yes. And by the way, you know, cats are... Uh, pets are great, but they definitely add an extra layer well, of complication to say, I just want to just
1: say the Top and Scaredy that... May, Anne may have wanted a dog, but she really loves the fact that she has two cats. Absolutely, now. it's fantastic. Yes,
0: but what? What? Let's let's look at what Dennis said about he, why he can't come on the show and,
1: and how much he does want to come on the show. But, exactly. but words are cheap Dennis Prager Phelan's my man
4: Phelan is my man I am I am one more time yes. do that again. and his wife <laughs> is my wife no no oh no, oh no. oh 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 wait I don't know how that
0: came
4: out his wife is his wife and my woman yes or something oh, like or that oh or something like that <laughs> oh my god I love these guys that's the problem
1: yes so when are you coming on the Anne and Phelan scoop as soon as this stuff is over okay because we have cats now I think you should have cats on your show
4: Cats, C A T S. Yes. Uh, I'm allergic. Oh no!
1: I am. I would love to. I feel terrible. Uh,
3: it's the only thing I'm allergic to.
1: Okay, well, we are actually we are going over to Dennis's house then and recording yes, right, the podcast over there. To, yes. Yes, because scary and top. I know it's tough, but we just have to keep you out of this podcast. Uh, Be because, well, everybody. Okay. Thanks, Dennis. Love you. Dennis is allergic to cats, and then also there last night was Ben Shapiro. Um, uh, so, ben, podcaster and, and he's a, he plays a big part in the, obviously, in the film obviously
0: yeah because ben has, had, ben has had a lot of trouble with you know so he went up to he went up to Berkeley and there was we I think we mentioned this already like there was such an, an amount of trouble and, and drama about yeah. this little as he says himself diminutive Jewish guy like very physically no offence at all to you Ben a little bit unimpressive physically right this is not a guy that's you know that we yes. need to be nervous about but obviously the things that he says are so triggering to people up yes. in Berkeley who are just you know unable for this kind of stuff so they spent six I mean it's quite extraordinary by the way I I kept thinking what an amazing waste of money six hundred thousand dollars had to be spent to secure the campus they they were putting up like barricades and all this kind of stuff Um, to hear this guy and he does the speech and you see a little clip of the the speech actually in the documentary uh, where at the end he said that wasn't so bad well like what you know let's let's
1: play the interview with with Ben
0: and then we talked to Ben uh, last night
1: Okay, we're here on the red carpet of No Safe Spaces, uh, the documentary, and we're joined by notorious anti-Semite Ben Shapiro. Have you been accused of being anti-Semitic? Obviously, you've been accused of uh, white supremacy.
3: Literally this week. I mean, because I'm going back on college speaking tour, I spoke at Stanford, and one group that actually put my face on a bottle that said Ben be gone and depicted me, an Orthodox Jew, as an insect to be exterminated, apologized and then said that I was the actual anti-Semite, of course, because I am pro-Israel, which means that I'm an anti-Semite, which is Uh, weird. And then also over at BU, apparently, they've been defacing my posters with a Hitler mustache, which makes perfect sense, because me and Hitler were like that, buddy-buddy, oh, yeah. yeah, yes. we have that, yes. just that kind of relationship. Yeah. Oh, yes. If it was one thing he loved, it was Orthodox Jews. Yes,
1: absolutely. So how crazy is it that there's suppression of speech now when you have craziness like that?
3: I, I mean, it, it is insane. Uh, the, the fact that the left is so interested in shutting down speech suggests that they have something to hide and that there is a debate that they don't want to take place. Uh, and they, they continue to, to push that forward. And you see universities that kowtow fairly regularly to the heckler's veto, the idea that if people on the left go crazy, that they have to shut down the conservative. Is the Conservatives' fault that the left is going crazy. Uh, or you see people on campus suggest that speech is violence, that speech is incitement, broadening the standard out, and then suggesting that the solution is the sort of German striper democracy that you have to actually, you have to shut down democ- you have to shut down free speech in order to preserve democracy, uh, and, and of course, th- that's nonsense, but it's a clever trick, I'll say. It's a clever rhetorical trick. Is it, is it getting better or worse? I thought it was getting better, and now it seems to be getting a little bit worse again. So, so last year, it seemed like the left had kind of realized that it was bad optics for them to shut down speeches, and now it seems like because it's a new year, a new group of students, that they're really ramping it up. I think the pattern seems to be that in the first semester is when they bring out their heavy, censorious guns. And second semester, like, oh, that didn't go so well. And the media the media attention was not good for us. So I guess we'll call, uh, calm it down a little bit.
1: You've had your own speech quoted out of context, uh, you know, ripped apart. Do you ever find yourself self-censoring or not saying something uh, even though you may believe it. Uh, I mean, uh, because that's the, the atmosphere. It could it, it can now end people's careers or damage them financially and
3: damage the people that work for them. Do you ever find yourself self-censoring? I mean, Of course. You, you find yourself at least thinking about things three or four times before you say them. Am I saying this in the, the best possible way? Am I saying this in the way that people can't misinterpret it? Yeah. Uh, or at least they'd have to go a really long way to misinterpret yeah. it. Uh, and maybe that makes the speech better because it means that I'm reviewing it a few times. Maybe it makes it more exact. At the same time, you lose sort of the, the spontaneity and the fun of the political debate. I will say that politics was a lot more fun ten years ago when you could kind of throw things. I mean, this is what Twitter was. People tend to forget. Like they'll go back and they'll find something someone tweeted in 2008. At the beginning, Twitter was just a chat room where people just kind of hung out and said dumb stuff and made jokes to each other. And now we're digging up everybody's jokes from 2008, 2009, as though they're saying in 2019 when everybody is meticulously reading every word on Twitter in order to in order to destroy you. And it makes for a it makes for a much more nervous, much less pleasant debate because everybody is is looking to assume bad intent on on the part of their political opponents. I mean, journalism nowadays seems to be just Twitter archaeology, uh, a lot of it. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's not even people who are political. I mean, the worst story of the year was that kid in Iowa, that Carson King kid, who, who was at a football game and held up a sign yeah. saying people wanted people to Venmo him beer. They venmo him a million dollars, and he immediately gave it to charity. And the Des Moines Register immediately went back, resurfaced old tweets from him from, like, five or six years ago from when he was 16 years old, and then proceeded to try and cancel him. I mean, that, that kind of stuff is insane. Yeah. I mean, it always struck me as one of the, the worst aspects of American political life was or actually American
1: journalism was where they refused to they suddenly didn't believe in metaphors or jokes uh, when they wanted to attack someone so you make a metaphor let's blow up the Democratic Party and suddenly you're accused of wanting to kill them you know let's 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 take them out and it's like no you're and I think I don't I hate that when people
3: say this is what got us Trump but Trump did that didn't care Moved on to the next well, metaphor right. or the next joke. I mean, that, that's right. I mean, listen, I, I've had my criticisms of President Trump for sure, but the fact is that he did abide by Andrew Breitbart's key rule, which was you continue to walk toward the fire. And you know, if they just keep shooting arrows at you, then as long as you don't absorb the arrow, it, it, part of it is is you saying, okay, well, are they right? It, and, and and the thing for Trump is Trump doesn't give it any crap. So so for for Trump, like you know, I think that a person with a little bit more uh, a little bit more introspection yeah. might take a minute and. Go well, maybe that's right. And if you're a good person, you spend a lot of time thinking, could I have said that better? Is that? What? And Trump's like, he doesn't care. So that's definitely his charm as a politician. It's, it's both his, his blessing and his curse, like Spider-Man. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a good political quality. It may not be a great yes, human quality, but it's a fantastic political well, I mean, it's, quality. It, 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 most Americans understand the difference between a metaphor, a joke, and a, and a statement of intent. Of course. And, and the media is so egregious with Trump that they seem to justify nearly everything. Like, he'll say, he'll say something something that is truly outrageous. But the fact is that because he said something that was just a joke five minutes ago and the media took it perfectly literally, like, okay, I'm sorry, I can't take the media. I, I take the media less seriously than I take Trump at this point because are you really gonna lose your mind over, over Trump tweeting out like a like a cartoon that we made at Daily Wire of him yeah. putting a medal on a dog. Yeah. Like this is what you're gonna lose your mind over that's today. Right. I'm sorry, I can't take you serious. Well, yeah, no, that's it. And uh, Trump has destroyed a lot of things in America. But uh,
1: he's destroyed the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and, you know, and he's almost. That's a
3: good thing to destroy. That's yes, no, and he's destroyed the media. You know, no one takes them seriously anymore. You know, whatever you say, I think that's uh, that's a good that's a positive. I, I mean, I, t- I totally agree in the sense that they they, they were suffering from eggshell skull, and he came around and just tapped the egg skull uh, the the, yeah. the eggshell skull. And it just collapsed um,
1: I suppose you're very worried now that there's a, this new podcast around called the Alan Phelan Scoop
3: uh, you're coming for me I mean I, I don't know I mean climbing the charts fast Yes. we have cats as well which you don't You do know. That. that is a feature <laughs>
1: so there you go obviously you can hear that he's very worried about our podcast because Ben has 3 million uh, downloads oh my god and as you heard at the end he's very threatened by our, yeah, our, our yeah, podcast because yeah, exactly. he doesn't have cats you see yeah. He doesn't have scared you to have a secret weapon. So, um, we started off talking about journalism, and I'd like to finish. And I suppose we've been talking about journalism all along, which is kind of a theme in this podcast. Have you, you've seen this, the Daily Northwestern? Now, I didn't yeah. know it, but apparently. Northwestern University is one of the premier journalism schools in the United States. It's a so very well-respected school. Respected that's right. School. Yeah. Yeah. School. yeah. So they have a newspaper at Northwestern University, not very originally called the Daily Northwestern. You know. <laughs> but, you know Jeff Sessions was speaking at Northwestern University, so they sent a reporter to cover the speech, and they also sent a reporter and photographer to cover the um, the protest outside. Right. And they took. They named the protester, they took some photographs, and they phoned up some uh, students to hear their opinions. You know, standard journalism behaviour. And now they have put in the newspaper this lengthy Apology for journalism. It's
0: unbelievable. It
1: is actually almost uh, satirical. Uh, to Some
0: protesters, you know, one area of our reporting that harmed many students was our photo coverage of the event. Some protesters found photos posted to reporters' Twitter accounts re traumatizing and invasive. These photos have since been taken down. You know,
1: we feel that covering traumatic events requires a different response from many other stories. While our goal is to document history and spread information, yes. Then they say, nothing is more important than ensure, ensuring our fellow students feel safe. And in situations like this, they are benefiting from our coverage rather than being actively harmed by it. We failed to do that last week. who could not be more sorry. Some students also voiced concern about the methods daily staff used to reach out to them. Some of our staff members who were covering the event used Northwestern's directory to obtain phone numbers for students beforehand. Oh, my God. Beforehand. Journalism.
0: Looking, and, finding someone's phone number and
1: phoning them. And text, no, no, they even texted them and asking if they'd be willing to be interviewed. We recognise being contacted like this is an invasion of privacy, and we've spoken with those reporters along with our entire staff about the correct way. to So, that how do you jar- do
0: journalism then, exactly, Jan? How do you do journalism if phoning someone is an invasion of their privacy, <laughs> having texted them first? You know.
2: You know this is this is deeply, deeply disturbing to me. You know, and in a way, you know, when I when I read this, you know, I became aware of this situation, and then read this um, this uh, editorial. You know, in a way, and this is the really disturbing part. It's kind of not the student's fault, right? Because they've kind of been taught that if they feel triggered, that's someone else's fault and problem. It's not; they don't need to deal with themselves and solve some issue. Correct. Someone else needs to solve it because it. uh, This this is terrible. No, it's terrible. It's exactly and 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 it's no safe spaces central theme. uh, Actually, right when we and I think no,
0: you you put your finger on it actually when you say that. Because it, it's it children have not changed, you know, gro- the grown ups have changed. So when I was watching any of those, those scenes that we saw and and listening to this story as well, you know, why is uh, this is un- this is like disgraceful behavior by adults? To what is wrong with them? It's like no, but,
1: but also these I think this is the, the, the student newspaper and these are the, the these are the top people from the class who are the editor in chief etc. And these are the people who are going to be, you know, e- editing NBC in twenty years' time and the New York Times in twenty years' time. I mean, what kind of newspapers are we going? To, I mean, that's bad enough. No one has any trust in the media at the moment. It's going to be, it's going to be a great business opportunity for people like yourselves, uh, actually. Well, it,
2: this is it's self censorship, right? Yeah. That's that's what they're describing here. Like we we covered something. Normally, yeah, but we were wrong to do so, and we deeply apologize because some people were offended by that. That's essentially that's the message, correct? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And in that kind of a structure, journalism dies.
0: But it's It's almost that simple. You're reading this, and it's like an onion piece. It's like I mean, seriously, going forward, as they say, what are they going to do? How they're not going to interview people then, actually, because that's what they've they're apologizing for. That they're not going to take photographs at a protest. Like so, how do you? How does anyone know what happened at the protest? Yeah. I mean,
2: how does that? This da- is what I'm saying. There's no the journalism. Dies. Here. Basically, dies here yeah. if we accept this, yeah. right? Because yeah. what would you do? Well, I can be offended by anything. You've just yeah. offended me. You yeah. have cats. I'm offended yeah, yeah, by cats. Yeah. <laughs> Your you know? cat, yeah. And the cat. I mean, no. I seriously. And no. then you actually, you should apologize to me. That's now. right. And That's this tough. is. Well, this yeah. is. It's, it's just like a mind, it, it's a mind warp and the, the ideology that drives these adults, as you say, to sort of, you know, basically sell this to, to kids on campuses.
1: I think, I mean, there was a similar situation, wasn't it? The Daily Harvard newspaper who were doing Robinson, a story yeah. about immigration mm-hmm. and they phoned ICE for a comment and they were condemned by the student government just for phoning ICE.
0: Oh, because uh, it gives sucker to ice or something? Yes,
1: or something. <laughs> or you know, legitimacy or something? Or, or something, <laughs> like I mean, who knows what's going on. Oh, because you're the, not
0: meant because who cares what they think? Well, you're not Can't meant to
1: cooperate with them or, or even look for their opinion. And it's like, well, you know, the, you're writing about them. You're making allegations about them. It's extraordinary. They, don't they have a right uh, to, to tell their say? But obviously not. So, so we're
0: running out of time. And I'm going to move us on here because I want to get to the, you know, i have got to talk about food. we got to ask Jan what we ask all of our guests. And the first question is, Move. this is really, you know, segueing here. If you, what is your signature dish that you make, Yan? That uh, that you could share with us and tell well, us about. Well, so
2: my, my wife will be very angry if, if I say if I say this because well, it's it's something called Molokatani soup. Have oh, you ever I had totally Mulakatani Oh, I know stuff? this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a very very interesting special Indian dish. Oh yeah. You know, uh, um, you know, curiously made under colonial times. There's yeah. a whole another discussion around that. Yeah um we'll but put the I, but, recipe
0: up by the way but I, I, but I don't
2: make it very often these okay. days so that's why i'm saying my wife will be angry when she when she watches this because okay. you're like oh where's my molligatari soup yeah, you yeah. don't make that and do you, <laughs> you know? have, do you have your own recipe
0: or are you coasting you know on, I, I,
2: I coasting on past glories i tweaked i tweaked a recipe okay. many years ago that kind of made it my own is there exactly. a secret
0: thing that you want to share with us that you do that makes yours slightly different to the well rest?
2: so so apples actually oh, figure quite prominently in the recipe and so you use granny smith Oh, okay. And it makes a better soup.
0: Oh, because before yeah. you were using something else. Some,
2: like, yeah, I don't. I I I don't know if it was even specified, but that's so interesting. That yesterday, that does, yeah.
0: Yesterday, I made. I and I'm I'm still working on it on a butternut on a butternut squash soup. And I, and funny enough, I'm going to introduce an apple into it. And I got two different types of apples, and I was thinking, will I go with the Granny Smith or will I go well, with? Well, and
2: it's a completely different flavor depending yeah. on what you choose. It's really remarkable. Fantastic. Yeah.
0: And the second thing I want to ask you, then, Jan, with which we again ask all of our guests is: Is there a piece of art? that is important to you that like you'd like to share with with our listeners
2: you know okay there, there's one piece that jumps to mind immediately and that's uh it's in the louvre it's down at the end of a a, a long hallway it's called the winged victory of samothrace i don't know if you it, it's very I, kind of iconic because it's unfortunately missing its head because it's an old older sculpture but it, it's a it's a beautiful nude with these, you know, wings that have also been compromised. And it's just whenever I see that, I saw it first in a, a classics class I had in high school, and just kind of fell in love with it. Oh, and wow. then I remember that moment walking in the Louvre and just looking down this hallway. I'm getting shivers just thinking oh, about it. Gosh. And just in the distance, there's the Winged Victory of Samothrace, just mind blowing. It's it's an incredible, incredible and who sculpture. Is the artist? Gosh, I don't, I, okay. I can't. Uh, All right, well, we'll find out and we'll yeah. put it off. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: that's, I, that, I think that's extraordinary. Is it's it, amazing. Yeah.
2: I, I, I don't know if we have, if there's a we'll specific a post- artist book. attributed, but... Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. All right, great. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I just want to make a, a little shout out. Kate McDonald wrote um, to us this week, um, sort of complaining about my my uh, red pepper soup because as she oh. said, she well, Ooh. she wasn't, she's kind of complaining, Ooh. she's not complaining. So her point basically is that I kind of, I have a tendency to do, throw in a bit of this and throw in a bit of that. And she said, this grandma way of, of talking about Ooh. recipes <laughs> is, is no, her. I get her. No, Fighting I get her. And, and she, I, so I want to apologize to Kate and I know she hadn't finished making the soup and I'm really hoping it has worked out for her but uh, it's a brilliant recipe and I know that I was meant to do Irish coffee myself and Yvonne were going to be drinking Irish coffee today but honestly we had too much going on in the show but I promise we will definitely do Irish coffee next week Talking of
1: coffee the lady who wrote on Facebook last week saying those people sound like they've had too much coffee. We you, have. We had. Always. We, we had. We actually had. We drank too much coffee that morning. hope it doesn't affect us on the show. We and had just come back.
0: We had just come back from London. And we were. Ha- yes. Yeah, so we would had like three. And I'm not allowed. In this family. I'm allowed to have one Americano. If I have two. I actually start it. I like. I really do. I, alcohol. I can consume a lot, a lot of. But hmm. coffee has a massive listen to that oh there's nothing worse than a smug um ex-drinking husband uh, uh, really I, honestly I, I
2: have to comment here that the the coffee feeling made today is actually quite wonderful oh good yeah. okay
1: so, so, then, so nice even scaredy like during the break there yeah, yeah exactly
0: <laughs> well jan thank you so much for joining us today we really really appreciate pleasure it. pleasure
1: being here yeah. it's really wonderful thanks thank you so jan and uh, Thank you for, for tuning in to the Alan Phelum scoop, and we'll. Uh, uh, and
0: just before Yang goes, actually, I think you wanted to add something about the, the how to get the print edition. Oh, of the, okay. Of so, Ebook so Times. I'll
1: I'll throw in a few
0: things. Please. Okay,
2: I host a show called American Thought Leaders. Phelim has been on the show and has been on the yes. show over the past year. Um, so, look up American Thought Leaders on YouTube or on our website. Um, To actually, if you're interested in the print edition, which a lot of people are, readepoch.com. R e a d e p o c h dot com, and you'll get. There's actually, I think, a trial for a dollar for the first month. You can check it out, and then you decide you want it, you don't want it. But it sells itself. I don't need to sell it.
0: Great. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks so much. We see you next week. See you next week. Thanks so much, everyone. And don't forget to go and see uh, No Safe Spaces, the new documentary from Adam Carolla and Dennis Prager. Thanks, bye. Thanks a lot. Bye.